Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me from across the pond is a statesman to my kingsman, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I am doing very well, Matt. How are you this afternoon slash evening? Because it's a now five-hour time difference again. Yep. We had one week last week where the where we, where we felt that kind of... It's like that one week of the year where we feel closer than ever, only four hours apart. It's like it's no different than being in a different state almost, but I suppose mm-hmm. neither is five hours. Let's not lie to ourselves. But uh, I'm doing very well, my friend. I'm a bit tired, mainly because I overslept this morning and had to get out of bed, get ready showered dressed sink a coffee in about 22 minutes before i had to leave for work so i don't know if you ever get that when you just jump out of bed and you just never get a chance to adjust to the day so by the time you get home from work you're completely zonked out so i had a half i had a little power nap earlier on because i knew i needed to be on top form for the bamp but um, mm-hmm. other than that i'm doing well are you keeping florida safe are you well I am well. I, I did. Uh, I had to sleep in my movie room uh, last night because my wife came home and was like doing the whole laryngitis voice thing, where you like you could hear like the laryngitis coming. I was like, ah, 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 and I was like, mm, I'm going to nope. sleep in the other room. <laughs> um, I love you. I miss you. I would much prefer to sleep in the bed. However, I am avoiding being sick at all costs. Uh, so I was like, no, no, I'm going to go sleep on the recliner, um, which I did sleep rather well, uh, despite um, the recliner is not uncomfortable but it's also not like super comfortable because you can't really move around at all um but yeah so you know staying healthy uh i avoided i avoided the cold um i hope she's feeling better i haven't actually got to see her yet because uh tuesdays are the busy day um mm-hmm. but hopefully uh yeah hopefully she's feeling a little better today but it, i am taking precautions to to stay healthy in this especially with the winter because we had our first little cold spell this weekend um, which for Florida is like, it was 50 degrees Fahrenheit, not, <laughs> not super cold, but it was mm-hmm. like for us, we're like, uh, very cold. It's very cold. Uh, we need jackets. Um, I said, I was like walking around with a hoodie on, but like shorts and flip flops. So, you know, um, that's what I do. Well, uh, I'm glad you've been avoiding any kind of potential illness or anything like that. Uh, and I hope everybody out there's been avoiding the Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler images, which have been leaked on the internet. Uh, thanks to a prominent movie YouTuber. So if you are dodging uh, Spider-Man No Way Home leaks, do c- just remember that online Jeez. there are images which have been pretty much confirmed to be real. I, I saw I saw them this morning whilst I was innocently scrolling through Twitter without any warning. Bash, there they are. Thanks very much for spoiling some of the hype for that film. But um, we're not here to talk about Spider-Man just yet. Give us five weeks and we'll be reviewing that film. However, on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we take the most interesting or the biggest film release of the week. And on this episode, we deliver a non-spoiler review, our opinions on the film. And in a few days' time, we drop a mini-sode where we go full spoiler into the film. And this film we're talking about this week is a big film in many, many ways. And it's the latest uh, installment in the MCU, Eternals, directed by the excellent Chloe Zhao. Uh, also written by Chloe Zhao, Patrick Burley, and Ryan Furpo. And it stars Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Kit Harrington, Kumail Nanjiani, Leah McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Ridloff, Barry Keegan, Ma Dong Siuk, and Harish Patel. Firstly, what a good cast that is. Uh, mm. IMDb, the synopsis, very, very, very straightforward. The Saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. Again, that is an extremely top-level <laughs> plot summary. But uh, again, yeah. we don't, we won't give any spoilers, but we will, you know, mention maybe who the Eternals actually are. But um, you may have seen some of the uh, hoopla online about the reception this film's been getting, and here it is: forty-seven percent. Rotten Tomatoes critic score forty seven percent. Metascore has it at fifty two. IMDb user score is six point nine out of ten. Uh, Letterbox is a little kinder three point four out of five. And this is only available in cinemas and theaters worldwide. So uh, the first MCU film to score a rotten review. And if you judge them by the reception on the internet, it would seem a lot of Marvel fans have forgotten that they were celebrating the last t- twenty five films getting fresh reviews and at the end of the day doesn't really matter does it 
doesn't matter if you like Rotten Tomatoes, if you don't, if you believe in it, or if you live your life by it, or if you hate it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what that what the score gets. It's down to what you think of the film. Um, mm-hmm. But it is hard to obviously ignore the hook blower online. And like most films, I went in with an open mind. I wanted to like it. I have no issue with the MCU. Um, John is higher on the MCU than I am, but I like the yeah. films. But um, it was impossible to ignore the um, the fallout from this film. And I must say, I went, I watched Eternals. I went in to it, and I'm so I am sorry to say, JB, that I wasn't a massive fan of Eternals, and some of the reasons being ones that have been floated about already. For me, it is. No, it's not that it's too long. It's that it doesn't do enough with its runtime. It's very ponderous. Mm. It's very contemplative, which you could argue is a Zowism. It is, and I like that. Which I do in her other films, because I think they've got something to say, or they've got something to hang their hat on. Here, I'm not so sure. One of my biggest issues with the film was that you get Chloe Zhao, but you don't... But I, I, I could see her struggling to you know, break out in this film. I saw I saw Chloe Zhao in the visuals, you know, some of these big landscapes and these beautiful visuals that we got. But I didn't see an awful lot else of her. I could see her trying to make these characters, you know, work and try to give them kind of some sort of meaning or existential uh, dialogue, which they were trying to put across. But that fell flat for me. And I was so looking forward to this film simply because of Chloe Zhao. And I'm not ever going to sit here necessarily say, well, you know, they they just hired her for the name. Absolutely not. But I do wish I could have seen more of her signature on this film because I think she's a fabulous director. However, this hasn't soured me from going to see any of other films. In fact, it's making me more excited for for another kind of neo-Western film she does in future. But um, that aside, uh, I thought that the, the action, I think, was... I, th- I thought the action wasn't very well choreographed and edited together. I think the editing actually in this film isn't great. I think when there's fight, when, when the characters are fighting, I found it quite hard to kind of work out what was going on, where they were. Um, I, the, as for the characters themselves, because the film sets, spends a lot of time, obviously setting up the characters. There's what, 10 new characters plus, and also the Eternals. Why haven't they been around it's very exposition heavy. I, you know, I can't really fault the film for that because it had to be. Yeah. But there's only a few characters which really stood out for me. And I know, I think you and I pretty much agree on the majority of these. I think Kumail Nanjiani is very good. I think he's, he's so very good. good. He's more than just a comedy in this film, but he does yes. bring that. Uh, Barry Keoghan, I think he's very good. Angelina Jolie for what she does. I think she has, she has a presence. And I don't know if that's just because it's Angelina Jolie, but I felt that she had a, she brought a presence to the film and, what her character is asked to do or not to do uh, only kind of adds to, you know, maybe uh, how good I think she was in this film. Plus, uh, Harish Patel, who plays who oh, is the so sidekick good. of Kamel Nunjani. And I was worried, actually, and I said this to you uh, kind of off air, but I was worried that Harish Patel was going to be used as some kind of ill advised comic relief that they were going to have just an Indian actor come in and people can laugh because of what he does and the way he says things, but they didn't, they avoided that. And I was very pleased by that. But um, again, nobody else in the cast is particularly bad, but I didn't get a spark. I didn't get any charisma off them. Uh, the best, mm. the best part of the film is the fact that Kit Harrington's barely in it. <laughs> so nothing against Kit Harrington, but his acting is not always yeah. best, best, but uh, I, I, again, I feel like I'm really down on this. So I, if I would, I have given it a thumbs down because it just dragged for me. It felt dull. It felt, like there was it, something more needed to happen in between the action. There was lots of, there was for me, lots of kind of nothingness. I've wanted an MCU film that feels different. This does feel different, but I can't sit here and just say, okay, I like it because it's different. It's different, but it's missing something. And that isn't the DNA of the Marvel cinematic universe. I think it's too long. I think it needs to be shorter. Um, you know, I don't want to say that Chloe Zhao hasn't done a good job here because she's done what's asked for her. She's delivered a big film. You cannot deny the scope of this film. It is a big film. It looks great. There's some good performances in it, but I just found a lot lacking in the dialogue, in the characters, in the, in the duration of the film. I think the narrative is messy as well, jumping back and forward. And because of so much exposition, I think it got a bit janky at times, but Ramin Jawadi's score is great. 
he again he always delivers i think he's he's done a good job here but um my friend as much as i wanted to at least be on the train with this film i don't hate this film i don't i'm not disgusted with this film but at times i was sitting there and I was bored. There was one moment in the film where somebody walked out, and I'm so pleased he did, because it showed what an absolute bigot that person was. But, um, no, great diverse cast, some mm. good performances, but it's missing a spark for me, which it needed in a film this length, with this exposition heavy, with trying to go for this level of human drama. It did need something else, more of a spark. And it didn't have that for me, so uh, there was. I just needed that to push it up a bit more, my friend. But... I'm sure whilst I collect my thoughts a bit more in the spoiler episode, we can go into more reasons why, but so, sadly sure. it didn't work for me. But you, my friend, I imagine you are on a slightly higher pedestal. S- slightly higher. And I do, it, it's still it tempered um, it, for MCU films. And I am a big fan, big advocate mm-hmm. of most of the Marvel fan- movies. Um, and I have a ranking list on uh, Letterboxd, which doesn't necessarily add up. Cause like some movies, like I gave, Ant-Man four stars, but I have it listed as my second movie. And that may not make sense to other people, but I don't think it is a perfect movie. But as far as my enjoyment of it, Ant-Man is really high on my list because um, I love I Paul know, Rudd. I know that, so much. that uh, I know that ranking scheme as well, my friend, cause I do it as well. Yeah. So it's sometimes I don't follow that pattern, but in this case, that's how I've done the MCU. And I have Eternals at three and a half stars. And, um, Sam Graff, Sorry about that. And <laughs> it's 22 on the list of 26 movies, um, which is only ahead of Iron Man 2, Thor, Hulk, and Thor The Dark World. Um, and I honestly need to move Thor up over Iron Man 2 at looking at this list because I definitely have grown to like that more. I haven't rewatched Iron Man 2 either, so maybe it would hold up if I watched it again. And I, you know, I don't even know if Hulk should be counted at this point because it is so desperate from the rest of it but Mm -hmm. that said just because it's 22 there's oh i like all the movies you know what i'm saying so like it's not i don't like this movie and it's number 22 it's more like i can't imagine putting it above some of these other ones but i do still think it's good and i Mm -hmm. i explicitly have a hard time pointing out things that i think were bad i do think if you look at the marvel movies that have a indie director brought in like chloe zhao um, I think uh, the I can't think of the name, but the person who directed Captain Marvel is a, the duo. They've they've done a lot of indie films. Um, there's uh, uh, um, Taika Waititi, who's now not an indie director, but was an indie director when yes. he did Thor Ragnarok, and um, uh, uh, Ryan Coogler with Black Panther. None of them had made a movie with big special effects or action sequences, and I think all of those movies suffer in their action sequences. Um, explicitly Black Panther. I think that's where the only bad parts of Black Panther are the action sequences. And I think it's the inexperience of the filmmaker. And I think with Chloe Zhao here, especially if you look at her filmography, which is all very small, personal, intimate human stories that you mostly use non-actors acting. That was a big turn to have suddenly these giant, not just one-on-one epic, you know, epic action scenes, but we have nine characters that she's having to bring into the the fold. I guess to be fair, only like five of them are actually fighting most of the time because yes. the other five are thinking or talking about it, um, or whatever it is. Like mathematically, I forget how many actual characters. There's too many. There's a lot of people in this movie, which is a hard task for any story to bring in nine characters and it's not treated as an ensemble where here is our team. What is the team's goal? Because this is a building team mission movie. Yes. This is a heist movie without a heist. We're building the team. We're assembling the figures. We are shown that they were once a team. They have separated. Now we have to put them back together. It's the band getting back together. It's a trite normal story. And where I think she excels is these are godlike beings that I feel she humanizes quite well which is something Chloe Zhao does in all of her films. Is she brings the humanity to the characters. And I think she still is able to do that. I think, I think we have some issues with some cast. I do think Richard Madden, uh, I don't know if it's his fault or if the character has the Superman problem, but they're too Mm -hmm. perfect. They're presented as too perfect. And thus they are bland and boring and you don't really care. Um, I actually, I like, uh, is it, Gemma or Gemma? It's Gemma, right? Gemma Gemma Chan, yes. Gemma Chan. 
I liked her, but I didn't really love her scenes with Richard Madden. I felt like that that core love story never was believable to me. And that's that's a chemistry thing. I don't think either of them were helping each other in those moments. And it's not that it was bad, but it wasn't like to hang our 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 connection to the movie on that love story did not work for me. Especially because of the Kit Harrington factor. Because it does kind of like, well, is it a love story or not? But I, I love Kamel, loved Harish. Um, I did like Barry Keo um, or um, Keegan. Keegan, I, that name. Um, but <laughs> Leah McHugh was the big surprise for me. Um, I was not familiar with her. I've not seen her other films mm-hmm. yet. She's 14. She's playing a character, Sprite, who I found quite interesting. I also love that Sprite was a storyteller. I don't know if you guys have caught on. I'm a big fan of storytellers. Um, so I was like really into that character and the role. And I think that character gets to do some interesting stuff. I always like Brian Tyree Henry. Um, yeah. Some of his jokes didn't land that well for me. Um, like they weren't, I don't think it was his fault. I kind of think that was the scripting of it, but like, that's the thing with Kamel and Harris, the, the charm is like pouring off of them. Yep. Like they, they seem like they're having fun making this movie. Yep. Which I, doesn't always feel that way with other Marvel actors, right? Like some of them just feel like they're doing it for the paycheck. And I think that's what this film needed a little bit more of. And again, not, not to inject the Marvel DNA in, but you know, it could have just done with a bit more of what Kumail and Harris bought. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I like the dour kind of, um, this is like the Marvel DC movie, I guess in a way, like it's yeah. the more serious edgy, like, because there's a lot at stake you know, especially for a team who we don't really know that well. And um, I, I do think she manages quite a feat of, of giving us enough about these characters that we get who they are. We get why they care about the things that they care about. Um, I don't feel like any of the motivations weren't there. The one thing, there is one element of the story that I don't feel comfortable getting into here that I think is maybe weak and could have made it for a tighter film if they removed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to get into what, but um, overall, I like the one thing with the action sequences, I didn't think the, the special effects look bad, but I, I do agree. Mm-hmm. The editing is a little wonky and um, in the action sequences specifically. And uh, that, yeah, the, the spatial geography gets a little confusing, but I, I think that happens in a lot of action sequences. And sometimes that's by design because they're supposed to feel chaotic or whatever. I didn't, I wasn't bothered by that, but I, I I'm not going to dispute it either. So, um, but overall I am, I'm positive on it. I don't, I don't think it's bad. Like, I don't think this is the bad Marvel movie. I still think if you're going to give that to any of them, it would fall into like incredible Hulk, maybe Iron Man two. Again, I shot, I should rewatch it. And, I actually don't hate Thor the Dark World as much as other people. Um, I've only, again, seen that one once as well. In fact, for a bulk of these movies, I've only seen them once. Um, but uh, I, I I didn't dislike Thor the Dark World. I feel like I might have even allowed myself to be pulled under the the guise of what everyone else was saying about it. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that was bad. Um, at the time, I think I like Hiddleston and, and Hemsworth enough that I enjoyed that their interactions in that movie yeah. um, that I didn't hate it. So I don't, I don't really feel like there's a bad Marvel movie. I think there are less than Marvel movies and I think Eternals falls into that category, but I think it's still competently made. I still think it is a Chloe Zhao film. I do think it's, she leaned heavy onto that humanity and feel like existentialism um, that maybe feels more natural in the writer or in uh, Nomadland yep. and feels a little out of place for the big epic hero movie. But, and I think that work, I think that formula works better when it's one character that we're really centering our humanity on. Mm-hmm. And here she is trying to stretch that out into all of these characters as necessity, but it does feel like you're, you're giving up a lot of substance to, to hit it on all these different people. I think that's a good point. I think I, I and again, I'd never thought, Chloe Zhao or Kevin Feige for coming together and saying we, you know, we're a perfect team to make this film. I think it's, I think it was a big deal for Marvel to get Chloe Zhao. I think it's equally a big deal for Chloe Zhao to step out of her potential comfort zone and do such a massive film. Again, not just 
in terms of scope and uh, character uh, cast money wise i mean this is a big budget film with a lot riding on it so and i and i certainly hope that they continue to take those chances but, but i think what you've just said was pertinent it, had there only been kind of two or three characters i think i do generally think the film may work better because obviously obviously it would have been a different story but you can imbue that humanity and that kind of raw authenticity more so when there's less to work with like she has done in her previous films and I think then actually, because there's nothing to say that her style wouldn't work in the MCU or in Star Wars, as she's been rumoured to be apparently helming the mm. Kevin Feige Star Wars film. That could that could be great. It might also not be just because it's Star Wars doesn't mean it's going to be great. Um, but again, it depends on what you're given, what you're what you're asked to create, and the, and also yes, the boundaries of which you can work in because. That, there would have been that as well. Uh, again, the other the other question, which is kind of more also for the spoiler chat, but is does this film, does the sheer scale of this film, and uh, like the story and the characters and what we're dealing with, I've seen a few people say it kind of makes the rest of the MCU feel only just a little bit small in comparison because of what we're dealing with. Like the trials and tribulations that came in the other films is nothing compared to, you know, what we're seeing in this film. And, I can't deny that during it, you do kind of think like this is, this is like galactic scale. This is huge and more so than a snap. But we'll speak about maybe that maybe more in the um, spoiler episode. But did you at all? Did you get that feeling when you're watching that that this is you know this is you know very big and kind of makes the rest of the film pale somewhat? Uh, yeah, to a degree. And the other, uh, kind of in a related note to that. Um, it, it feels a little bit like white noise compared to every other Marvel property right now mm-hmm. because it's not directly addressing the multiverse, which is where True. everything else seems to be centered around between WandaVision, Loki, What If, and we know Spider-Man and Shang-Chi and another movie that references the multiverse that I won't say in case it's a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But this movie like, doesn't even acknowledge that a multiverse is a thing. And so coming out now in the middle of all the multiverse talk, it does feel like, when is this? Is this before the multiverse stuff happens? Like, like I kind of think that's the same thing with Black Widow. It feels like it's out of the conversation with the current MCU f- films. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't feel as uh, as important, I think, in in the, the grand scheme of the MCU. Nope, I hear you, my friend. And I do think there are worse films on paper in the MCU, but I will admit this, this is probably for me, the one that made me feel the most, I don't know. Oh, here we go. The most bored, but I think that's just due to how long it was. Um, uh, again, I, I like a long film, but I think it's because of the long stretches before we really get to what we need to get to. This was it did not feel long to me. So that's why I'm like surprised. Um, like I, I was, when it ended, I was like, there should still be like 20 more minutes left based on my like <laughs> calculations of time. Not, not for the movie. Like I thought yeah, I yeah. still had 20 minutes left and there is a little bit more of like a resolution scene that you don't get in a lot of the Marvel movies where like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, you know, we like, it's over, but here's this thing. Um, but it still felt early and I was like, all right, I guess, uh, that's, but yeah, that's fair yeah. And, but there are, and again, if you haven't seen the film, obviously, obviously, stay behind in the credits because you're going to get a couple of scenes as well. We're not going to talk about here, but uh, obviously they then potentially maybe set up where we're going or future installments or storylines. So, but again, this is Marvel, you know, that's going to happen or any comic book uh, property. So uh, Eternals then I wasn't particularly hot on it again, didn't hate it, but just didn't work for me fully. JB was slightly more up on it. Anything you want to say about Eternals JB before we move on? No, I, you know, I don't think it's bad. I, I don't think it's necessarily the most impactful. So I totally kind of agree with your take. I can see why it might be boring for some. Um, but overall, I think it's, it's you know, it's good. It's just, you know, there's so many other Marvel movies that just do more, I think, of what we're expecting from a Marvel movie. Yep, I agree with that. Arguably, Nomadland and The Rider are even slower films, but I wasn't bored during mm-hmm. those, so no. f- f- take of that what you will. But uh, So that's our Eternals non-spoiler episode. Our spoiler mini-sode will drop on Monday, so if you want to hear our thoughts on specific moments, do tune in for that on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast podcast feed. So now we're going to move on to our next segment, which we call Chuffed Headlines. Uh, movie or pop culture headlines that caught our attention for whatever reason we decided to tell the other one what caught our eye so jb what's been catching your eye this week so i 
uh, Andrew Garfield and Spider-Man keep getting brought up because <laughs> people still are hoping he's going to show up in Far From Home. Yep. Um, and this headline caught my no eye. Way, Andrew Garfield reflects on heartbreaking Spider-Man movie experience. Um, and he just kind of goes on to talk about uh, how the the experience making The Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2 made him kind of realize the commercial side of movie making a little more because um, the movies, I'm trying to find the exact quote here. Uh, here it is. Um, I went from being a naive boy to growing up. How could I ever imagine that it was going to be a pure experience? There are millions of dollars at stake and that's what guides the ship. It was a big awakening and it hurt. Comic-Con in San Diego is full of grown men and women still in touch with that pure thing. The character meant to them. But you add in market forces and test groups and suddenly the focus is less on the soul of it and more on ensuring we make as much money as possible. And Mm -hmm. I found that, I find that heartbreaking in all matters of the culture. Money is the thing that has corrupted all of us and led to the terrible ecological collapse that we are about to die under. So it went a little real deep there with the the ecological stuff. But um, that's one of the things I like about Garfield. Uh, You could tell that to me when when the moment he was announced as being Spider-Man, that Mm -hmm. it was something he genuinely was doing out of love. Yes. And not not with the intent of, wow, this will be my big money box office draw. And while that is still true, that there was going to obviously be a big payday for someone playing Spider-Man, that clearly wasn't where he was coming from. And I actually feel that way about Holland as well. Um, and it's been a long time, but I, I think Maguire also was a big fan of the character, not just the check. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, a lot of movies are about making money. And so um, hearing an actor kind of acknowledge that, that this was the movie that made him aware of that and how it it hurt the product as a result of it, essentially. Um, it's, I, I appreciate it as a person who studies and looks at film and, you know, teaches potential filmmakers and actors and such um, to hear an actor kind of express it that way. Like he does it. Obviously, if you look at his filmography, he makes it for the art far more often than he makes it for the money. But um, like the, the acknowledgement that this was the movie, this franchise is what kind of made him realize that, a lot of filmmaking isn't about the art, but the, the bottom line, the dollar. And that's sad and true. Um, and I just thought, you know, it was cool to, to see him kind of discuss that. Yeah. I'm, I remember when Andrew Garfield was cast and he, and the interviews he was doing about how much of a fan he was growing up and how he'd read all the comic books and how he was just a big fan. And this was, a dream come true. And it's easy to look at this with a cynical eye and say, oh, come on, you got paid a lot of money for doing that. You knew what you were signing up for. You knew this wasn't going to be an indie, an indie flick. But like you said, it just, because you can just tell that this came from a place of love, the fact that he wasn't just an, an actor taking a job. He was an actor, you know, living a ch- living out a childhood dream. I mean, how many, how, who, who of us growing up didn't dream of being, you know, Batman or Luke Skywalker or Spider-Man or whoever we all did and given the chance to do that damn it must be a dream come true but then well I guess when you get into the business side of things and you get on set and you and you kind of hear the ramifications and rumblings that oh yeah well this film's gonna be great but you know we're gonna have to sacrifice this this and this because I think if we put this in it will appeal to more markets or we can sell more toys based on this and uh, we'll also get maybe an extra 50 million dollars on the box office Suddenly, yeah, the the craft of filmmaking changes, and what was started off as like a passion coming coming from a place of passion becomes more of a a slog and a chore. And it, the worst part of this is, like like you said, and like we said, you could tell that Andrew Garfield really, really wanted to be Spider Man and just make some great fun adventure action adventure films. And yeah, obviously, hearing that coming from him, and that's where. I kind of lean away more from the yes, you got paid well. Yes, you were still Spider Man and all this kind, of, and it was great exposure. I lean away from that because of what you said. Um, Andrew Garfield wanted to do this because it was living out of that childhood dream. Like you said about the convention, everybody in that crowd has that kind of childhood innocence and naivety. Almost that you know, this is you know, we can still be these people, or you know, this is actually this is actual Spider Man, or you know, they uh, and the things that we take from those stories. Obviously, when you're part of the machine it's maybe a little bit different and i guess from the outside it's not at all surprising to hear what andrew garfield said because i don't know about you jb but i'm not surprised to hear him say oh yeah 
uh, Sony really wanted Spider-Man to make a lot of money and they're willing to sacrifice story elements for that. Yeah. But yeah. it's still sad to hear, though. Yeah, and I think of all the studios, Sony's one who continually seems to be only about the money mm-hmm. um, and less about the art. Uh, so, yeah, not surprised. But it is like... And he's uh, he's acknowledging the naivety of the whole thing, too, that he's yeah, obviously yeah. a part of the system he should know. But you you... You hope because it both can exist, right? That's the, what I. One of the things I love about the MCU is I think they do a good job of caring about the art, but also looking. They're clearly looking for four quadrant movies. They want everyone to be happy, which I think yes. is one of the bonuses of Eternals. I think Eternals has done a couple of things that MCU has not done before that I think should happen a little more, especially if we are going to get a Deadpool movie, if we're going to get a uh, X-Men movie post the Disney purchase of Fox. Yep. We need to start making some of them conditioning people to accept that some of them are not going to be for quadrant films. Some of them are going to be for mm-hmm. specific demographics. And um, while I think you could argue that some of the, like the aesthetics of the Marvel movies are flat and not as artistic as some other films could be. I think they still do a good job of balancing out, both like commercial and artistic. I think Pixar is another great example of that too, um, where they don't sacrifice the art for the dollar. Um, most of the time, although I guess maybe the last year you could argue differently because it feels like they've been relegated to like art house by Disney. Like that they're, they're mm-hmm. not, they're like pushing them. Ah, you're just going to go on streaming. We're not going to worry about the box office stuff. Um, we're not going to try to charge people to watch the Pixar movies like they did with all the other movies they've released, but nevertheless, sorry. Um, <laughs> you're it, is, uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, not shocking, but also still like it, it can be both Sony. It can be both all movie series. You can make money with art, but yeah, it, it's the same thing. When you know people will pay for a mix sandwich, uh, you're going <laughs> to keep making the mix sandwich. And that's what we get a lot of is that, that we just get mixed sandwiches instead of those, you know, obscure food items that maybe not everyone will enjoy, but the people who do really, really enjoy it. And so it's, it's value there, but yeah, they're looking to serve as many burgers as possible. Yeah. And there have been precedent this year. You can make a, you can make a big, um, epic film or action film or adventure film and also give it a good story as well. It's easily done, but yeah. And then there's Uh, jungle cruise. And then there's um, Jungle Cruise, which is just a big old cash-in, and Disney have made no shame about that. But uh, So it, it's, it's doable, uh, but it is a shame also because Andrew Garfield just comes across as a decent guy, and I really wouldn't want to be Andrew Garfield this week because he's he's up in the press junket for his new film, but nobody's going to be talking about his new film. They're going to be talking about a film coming out next month, so I feel very sorry for Andrew Garfield uh, this week. But um, well, for my story is about a film which was due to come out in a, two years' time, but it isn't anymore. Probably shouldn't really be surprising. And it's the news that Star Wars Rogue Squadron has been shelved. The Patty Jenkins directed uh, film was due to come out in December 2023. However, apparently, John, apparently, despite this film having been announced over a year ago, before Cleopatra was announced and really before Wonder Woman 3 was kind of greenlit, scheduling conflicts have meant that Patty Jenkins now can't take this film on. Uh, but for, well, I say that it's been indefinitely, you know, put on the back burner. Yeah. It's not got, it hasn't been canceled. That is the most important part of this. Hasn't been canceled. Patty Jenkins hasn't left the project. It's just been pushed back when that could be, who knows, but there's been rumors swirling in the underworld that this film was going to be, um, postponed, uh, and potentially an old Republic film was going to be taking its place, which, you know, those rumors now seem to be, ramping up because Rogue Squadron has now been delayed. Whereas uh, Wonder Woman 3 and Cleopatra, both starring Gal Gadot, um, are going to be going ahead as planned. But it's for for me as a Star Wars fan, it's very disappointing. This is Lucasfilm all over. I, I have full faith in the Lucasfilm hierarchy from the, the higher ups, um, Kathy Kennedy down, but whilst also acknowledging that they've been absolutely awful with some of their planning. I mean, look, the, the Force Awakens had horrendous production issues. The Rogue One had horrendous production issues. The Rise of Skywalker had horrendous production issues. Solo, good God, we all know about that. 
this film now has had lost its um, release date because of scheduling issues. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's another one I'm forgetting. The only one I didn't was The Last Jedi. And we all know how that ended up. I really liked it, as did John. But um, it's, it's really interesting because you, with Disney owning so many of these studios now, like the bulk yes. of, of the industry, um, you see what Lucasfilm, they're struggling with movies. And like everything they had on the slate seems to be in constant flux now. Where um, Marvel's only canceled two that we don't even know for sure what two they canceled, but it was, it was fairly recently they canceled, like within the last two or three weeks. Um, but Marvel's juggling the the TV series and the movies exponentially better. Where I I think I could argue season one of the Mandalorian is better than any of the Marvel series so far. Oh, I would. I don't know if I could argue the second season holding up to that that bar. Um, but look at how many shows we've got for Marvel this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And we haven't seen book of Boba Fett yet. And I got to tell you, man, that trailer did not sell me on book of Boba Fett. Like, yeah, it was kind of like lackluster. I was like, really, this is, this doesn't feel exciting. I'm not super, I'm still going to watch it. Of course. No, I, um... I, I forget about the animated star Wars stuff to be fair. I, cause I don't, I have no interest in the animated stuff. Yeah. And... So we've, we've eaten well in the star Wars fandom with, the Bad Batch, that was pretty good. Visions was great. Um, obviously, Book of Boba Fett comes out like two, two days before the end of 2021, so it really is stretching that uh, 2021 release. But yeah, well, we mentioned it on the sessions about Boba Fett that we both weren't particularly excited by it, but we also are fully aware that that trailer was episode one. That's it. You know, it's episode one and maybe the Fair. second, maybe half a second episode. And then everything that comes after that is a surprise. And from what I've heard, which I, which I can't say, Book of Boba Fett could have some shatteringly good moments in it, which if, if these all come to pass, then God damn, this could be some massive, massive moments. But um, yeah. on on that though, you're right. We've got plenty of Star Wars to look forward to streaming. Lucasfilm have said, you know, they're putting their eggs in the streaming basket in for the foreseeable future anyway. And, you know, Rogue Squadron in amongst the fandom, people were, were looking forward to it, but We've got to. We've got to. We've now got to understand that the next Star Wars film is not going to have that fever pitch hype that the Phantom Menace did, that the Force Awakens did, because we, we're living in a different world now. There's lots of films of comparable size. We haven't got the Skywalkers to lean on anymore. Plus, the what we've got from Disney Plus in terms of Star Wars has been great. I agree. Season one of Mando is to me better, but not superior. It's better than season two, but they're both great. We've got. Um, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out next year and or comes out next year, potentially Mando season three as well. We've got an Ahsoka show coming. We've got plenty to look forward to Star Wars. So this is actually just a a disappointing bump in the road because I want to see Star Wars on the big screen. But it does make me question what's going on. And I I get it. This could be pandemic related. It could be that the pandemic has has caused Patty Jenkins to shuffle her schedule around, which meant sadly Rogue Squadron had to be pushed back. But it's not, as we all know, this isn't the first time this has happened in Lucasfilm, and we know that they are absolutely dreadful at planning anything. So that worries me. Again, like the film will yeah. happen, I'm sure. But we also had, sorry, we also had the Rangers of the New Republic, one of the TV shows. That was that's been indefinitely postponed as well. So you know they announce things and then put them back. Taika Waititi's just taken on about three projects, including Akira, Masters of the Universe, and something else recently, I can't remember. Is he going to have time to do a Star Wars film? He's got five other films that are coming out, including three major IPs. I wouldn't be surprised if Taika's film suddenly gets put postponed for scheduling conflicts as well, and I generally mean that as well. I do believe that at some point they're going to announce Taika Waititi's film isn't going to happen anytime soon. All yeah. the focus is on Kevin Feige's film, which is good because we're getting one, but... Oh, I don't think this is the last of the scheduling conflicts, my friend. I don't either. And, you know, um, I think they are apprehensive after Rise of Skywalker. I feel like that's a big factor in this. And <laughs> and Solo. You know, like, realistically, and obviously Last Jedi, which was a great movie, mm-hmm. but it had such a vitriol backlash. I feel like Lucasfilms has been the most knee-jerk reaction to fan backlash than any other studio. Like, they're the the overcorrection in Rise of Skywalker is so blatant and <laughs> bad. Um, and then I think a lot of these cancellations are hesitations that we're seeing and them afraid that they don't have a, I don't think they have a four quadrant film. And I think maybe really? 
they have to remember that like maybe Star Wars isn't supposed to be a four quadrant film. Like maybe it's not that type of franchise. Sci-fi has always been divisive and it's gonna be. So like make the movie that you want to make and let's see what happens, you know? Well, and when you've got the streaming products do being so well received as well, the Mando that is, that is going to turn your head and think, well, you know, the films we've put out have been divisive to say the least, but people seem to love the Mando. So, you know, you know, money talks and things like that. Maybe they're just focusing more so. Maybe they are just going to focus on streaming going forward. And do you know what? With the quality that we've got from Lucasfilm and from Marvel in terms of the 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 production value and and the rest of it, I'm fine with that. I mean, if we get three big Star Wars streaming series a year, bro, that's as good as a, that's as good as any film for me, especially the ones we're getting. So, um, yeah, Andrew Garfield is reflecting on his sad Spider Man experience and Star Wars Rogue Squadron isn't coming out anytime soon. So uh, that is our chuffed headlines of the week. And now we're going to move on to media consumption, which is the part of our show where we talk about the, the movies, the streaming series, the books, the video games, the music, the comics, whatever it is we've indulged, podcasts, which we don't run, whatever we've done to pass the time, we enlighten each other and yourselves about it. So John has always got a fabulous uh, smorgasbord of uh, variety. Yeah. So what have you been up to, my friend? Too much content. Um, I've, <laughs> as always, listened to the newest episode of the Blank Check Podcast. This uh, last episode, they were talking about Village of the Damned as they continue with the yep. John Carpenter series. Um, I had already watched that a few weeks back, but I had I had fallen. I didn't. I had never watched Memoirs of the Invisible Man, which I, I listened to the episode but hadn't watched the movie. Yep. And then I've got. Uh, I had three more movies coming up. Uh, four more movies coming up. Three of which I've not seen. Um, in the next couple of weeks, and I've watched two of them. Um, I watched uh, Escape from L.A., which, remember, we did uh, for the Bampocalypse, we watched Escape from New York, and Matt and I were not impressed by it. Like, neither of us had ever seen it. Yeah, Yeah, we didn't dislike it, but we also, I think we both expected more action. I think Escape from L.A. is what we thought. Um, (laughs) They they go pretty, but there's a surfboard sequence in Escape from L.A., like, it's pretty wild. There's a basketball like shoot off competition thing. Like it's a bad movie, but Kurt Russell's all in on, on snake uh, Pliskin and it, there's good stuff in it. It's still, uh, Steve Buscemi's like a major like <laughs> player in that movie, which I did not know. Um, but then I caught, I did watch memoirs of an invisible man, not a good movie. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I watched ghost of Mars. Oh yes. Um, okay. Which I thought I had seen, but I had not. Um, and it is basically Assault on Precinct 13 on Mars um, <laughs> with Ice Cube. Uh, it's not Damn. good, but it's kind of fun. And I didn't hate it. Um, so I, okay. I am kind of looking forward to that episode. And then I still have to watch his last movie, The Ward. Yeah. Which is really hard to watch, apparently, because it's only on Google Play and YouTube. Uh and it's like three bucks to rent and like 12 bucks to buy, which I'm definitely not going to buy it. Cause I've heard nothing good about the ward. Um, but I am going to check that out. Um, I've watched also though, uh, the entity from 1982. Yes. Have you seen that? Oh, I have seen it. Yes. In, within the I, last year or two. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely a hard watch at times because yeah. of the, the, uh, the style, but, it's really impressive. Like some of the things in the movie, I was just like blown away by like the visuals. I'm like, how are they doing that? Like, like how are, am I seeing a arm being squeezed by an invisible hand? Like, and it looks like a person is being grabbed. Like stuff like that was pretty cool. Uh, it wasn't always an arm, but I'm just trying not to be graphic. Um, <laughs> Barbara Hershey goes all in as well, doesn't she? She does. It's an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. Um, not an easy movie to get a hold of. I had to buy the, I believe, Scream Factory Blu-ray for twenty bucks. Um, but good Blu-ray. Uh, I actually, I thought the quality was quite good um, visually and everything. Um, we're for Movie Club this month is Mint in Box. These are movies that we own but had not watched, and I've been waiting to check this off my list. Uh, the Innocence. Um, which is, I have the Criterion Blu-ray. It is, uh, based on the turning of the screw. Um, I, it's one, it's on Martin Scorsese's top horror list. What a movie, man. Like the, the cinematography, the lighting is so incredible. Um, really cool story. And that did lead me. I started watching the, uh, haunting of Bly Manor last night. Um, however, no, I, I took NyQuil last night. 
fell asleep like the last five minutes of the episode and like woke up when episode two had started. I was like, crap, I didn't mean to fall asleep. So I got to rewatch the end. Uh, Cause I definitely missed something, but, uh, but I'm really like, that's, it's funny. Cause I watched the haunting earlier this year and I, I realized that it, it was Hill house. So I watched the haunting of Hill house, watched the innocence. I think I knew that it was turning of a screw, but I had forgotten. And so as soon as I finished, I'm like, well, now I got to watch Bly Manor. Cause now I'm like super intrigued <laughs> in this whole thing. Um, so they've got me. Um, I went to the theater, watched the French dispatch, uh, much more up on it than you were, but, <laughs> um, still not, uh, I, I don't think it's my favorite Wes Anderson okay. film by any means. Um, but I did like it, uh, quite a bit. I, I like it more than, uh, Darjeeling limited for sure. That was my least favorite Anderson film. Okay. Um, I liked it more than Isle of Dogs. That's for sure. I also like Isle of Dogs. I think that's crazy. I don't understand that, but, um, <laughs> Um, I did also watch a movie that we're going to be talking about next week, Spencer. I won't yep. say much about it for now. Um, and then uh, last night, before I watched the one episode of Haunting of Bly Manor, I watched Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder. Um, Ooh, yeah. I've only got two more Bong Joon-ho films to watch, but I very much like this one. Although it took me a while to figure out what tone he was going for. Um I, I often think that might be a cultural barrier. I had the same issue with mother at first uh, where I, I'm like, is this supposed to be funny or is this supposed to be like legit serious? And I think it's intentionally hard to, to decipher. I think that is kind of his style. He does have like a sense of humor about a lot of the terrible things he's talking about. Um, but uh, man, I, once I was on board with the characters, I was on board with the characters. And I, at the end of the film, I was, frustrated but i think i was supposed to be frustrated and i i'm i'm just fascinated by him as a filmmaker i really think he's one of the best working filmmakers today um can't wait to see what he does next that is one that i haven't seen of his um i would very much like to hit see that uh so it's on criterion now which is no, what i watched it on i'll have to now i'm going to become a criterion fiend now we'll get to that shortly but um again another interesting uh, batch the entity i like i haven't seen the innocence um, your friend Ooh, you need to watch that. Oh man, I was, I feel like I've been down on films recently. Things like everything I see, seem to go out and watch, I'm not enjoying. But uh, that's I'm hoping that turns around in the next few weeks as well. But as we always say on the band, we'll only ever be honest. So um, for me this week, I've listened to the Rotten Tomatoes or Tomatoes is Wrong podcast where they spoke about Avengers Endgame, and they were asking, you know, is I think it's got something like 92 percent on RT. They were asking, is that too high? Again, they weren't saying it was. They were asking the question, is that film rated too high? Is it really, you know, I think it's like the second best MCU film of the lot or something like that. Uh, so that was an interesting discussion for me. I don't think it is the second best MCU film. I think it's, it's quite, I would say it's quite far down the list, but I would knock it a lot further down because I think as a standalone film, it, ain't, it doesn't hold, it's not that great. I think, uh, and I know that's almost... Um, redundant to say because it isn't a standalone film but i can watch avengers infinity war and enjoy that by itself i have done a few times gone back just to watch that film and i enjoy it for what it is but avengers endgame never quite flows as well for me but uh i still think it's a decent film i've also been what listening to who is daniel johns which is a spotify original uh five series uh podcast about worse with uh, interview with the silver chair front man ex silver chair front man daniel johns very kind of candid raw uh, interview about his struggles with becoming a, f- a rock star at age 14 slash 15 uh, mental illness abuse um, and all the problems he faced and why he's never going to get the band back together and there's so much good stuff in that really really good listen really kind of um, transparent as well which is what I like in a mm. uh, in an interview series with with anyone is I don't want it to be a puff piece and it isn't, you know, it isn't just people saying, look how great this person is. No, there's conflicting opinions and you kind of feel like you're looking through the uh, looking glass a little bit. So uh, I, if you, if you like silver chair or rock music or just kind of interesting figures, uh, it's well mm-hmm. worth listening. I think each episode is about half an hour long. So uh, that's on Spotify. Nice. And in terms of films, my friend, I have watched four films in the last week um i've i went back and what well, i went back for the foot uh i watched nerve i got it on blu-ray i think it cost like 50p so 70 bucks uh, 70 bucks 70 cents pick that one up as in a bundle of about 20 other films nerve which stars emma roberts who i love emma roberts dave franco um, yeah. and other people it's kind of like this 
odd kind of sci-fi sort of PG thirteen thriller with a pretty good premise actually. And yeah, it's it, actually pretty. Have good. you seen it? You've seen this one? Do you think? I saw it in good? the theater. Oh yeah, man. Um, I thought the uh, the end was what kind of lost me, but overall, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I found myself thinking, you know what? I would probably do most of these things for five grand, ten grand, just because. Why wouldn't you? Once, but uh, yeah, the, the, the further down the rabbit hole you go, you realise it's a bit more sinister. But I thought it was pretty good. Twenty thirteen, I think it came out, so it was about nearly ten years old. But I think it's a pretty decent film. It looks good. The acting's fine, and uh, the premise is decent as well. So if you're looking for a pretty solid um, PG thirteen thriller. Check out Nerve. Uh, I don't know if it's on streaming or not, but I watched it on Blu-ray. Uh, I watched Finch on Apple TV Plus, the Tom Hanks dystopian um, disaster film, of apocalypse film. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one or have any inclination to watch. Um, I I have every uh, inclination. I am hoping to do Apple TV Plus at Thanksgiving break because um, I still have to watch Ted Lasso season two. Um, and yes. then there's a there's several like one off things that I want to watch. Finch being one of them. I've heard sad. Uh, yes, it is sad. But again, I, the the only reason it's sad for me is it's Tom Hanks, isn't it? It's, this is Tom Hanks. They got Tom Hanks for the reason, and the reason being to elevate a pretty boring, a pretty naff oh. standard film. It's it isn't great. It's not again. Okay, okay. It's not. It's not. It's not awful. And I know I say that a lot to kind of justify why something isn't my favorite. But it's it's kind of similar. It's not like Cry Macho in the fact that Cry Macho really was just throwaway. But it's it's similar that that Finch just kind of exists it, without Tom Hanks in the starring role. Nobody, you know, this is just this is just another streaming a dystopian type film. Tom Hanks, obviously the fact that they got Tom Hanks is the reason why people are interested. Um, and it's because of Tom Hanks being able to kind of inject his star quality, his talent. And yes, his emotive side into this film is what will get the, uh, what will get the tear jer- tears jerking. But I wasn't overly keen on this film. It was very, very oh. middle of the road for me. Uh, gotcha. it, a f- few things didn't work. And, I didn't expect huge things from it. And again, this is kind of streaming bias. I did think, well, is it going to be great because it's, it's a streaming film and because of the subject matter, I know it's based on a book, but it wasn't great, but Tom Hanks is fine in it. And he does elevate what would have been otherwise pretty mediocre. So, uh, I am really aware that again, most new releases I seem to be quite down on. I then saw the card counter, Paul Schrader's new film, Paul Schrader, Oscar Isaac, yeah. Tiffany Haddish, Ty Sheridan, Willem Dafoe. God damn. I love this film. I think oh, the film was great, my friend. Um, I liked, as you know, I thought First Reformed was stunning yes. four years ago now. And wow. Paul Schrader's has come back about with a film about a, a guy who counts cards, but there's more to him than that. Oscar Isaac plays a dude called William Tell. And this guy's got a past. Let's just say that he's got a past, which he's kind like of trying shooting, to escape uh, from. Apples off of people's head with bows and arrows, right? Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly the same William Tell. I knew okay. as soon as I said, no, it's not. As soon as I heard oh, yeah. his name, I was like, I've, where have I heard that name from? So I'm so glad yeah, it's that a pretty you're... famous name. <laughs> yeah, and I, I knew it. I was like, surely I haven't heard. This isn't the, this isn't the story of William Tell. I know. I'm so glad you said that because it kind of felt like a little weight's come off my shoulders now. But um, yeah, he's that. That's his character's name, and uh, he's got a past, and he's kind of trying to find ways to escape it. But it isn't quite as straightforward as it seems it's a very methodical film uh it's a very comp layered film for me and it's really 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 well executed and paul schrader's holding pulling no punches with his subject matter the war on terror um american nationalism or just nationalism in general masculine there's so much going on here i thought this film was excellent and it's one of the best films i've seen this year um are you again look at the card counter is that coming out near you going to check it out um, I, I don't know if it's going to come close to me in theaters. I am, I'm really hoping our last month of movie club before the, for the year is, uh, through the cracks movies that came out this year, but we didn't see, um, I'm hoping it will drop to like the $10 where I could just buy it on like yep. digital. It's currently $20 to rent and I don't, I don't mm. want to spend $20 to rent it. Um, but I will, I will gladly drop like 10 or 15 to buy a movie that, uh, you recommend and that has Oscar Isaac and is directed by Paul uh, Schrader, despite him being up and down on his films. Like not oh, yeah. all of his movies Historic, are good yeah. by any means. Um, but uh, this one does interest me. 
and even though I've heard mixed things about this particular one, I am a fan of the premise and everything. So yeah, I, I hope to see it sooner than later. Maybe the theater that I saw the French dispatch in will get it and then I can go see it. But it, yes. it does. It seems like it's a little late um, for them to get that one. So no, I have well, to wait and see. If you do, then I hope you enjoy it. But again, on the back, me, me, John and myself, we never, we never pander to each other. If John hates it, he'll turn around and say, dude, this film was awful. And I welcome that. Hopefully he doesn't know. Uh, and the final film I saw was another streaming film. Uh, it was on Netflix. It was the harder they fall which was the the new western film with an absolutely fantastic cast regina king uh idris elba lakeith stanfield jonathan majors amongst uh zazzy beats amongst so many more um it's it kind of tells the story of these historically these historic kind of western bandits cowboys whatever you want to call them uh plunderers who in reality never kind of met but in this film they're all kind of thrown together to create this kind of fictional, uh, it's almost like an anti Avengers Assemble type thing. But I thought this film was again, really, really good. Jonathan Majors is so damn good in this. So good. It just Elba's is very good too, pulling off a Southern drawl. Uh, but I think it just uh, Regina King and Zazzy Beats are great as well. They're really so good. And especially when their characters come to pass to meet as well. But, um, yeah, Jonathan Majors is great. Again, my only complaint about it is, is it, possibly a bit too long for me i think it was a little bit too long i think they could have shaved 10 15 minutes off and this film would have been well up there in the in my favorite of the year as it stands it's still quite high in my list of films this year uh which i didn't i again i wasn't really aware of this film other than maybe like in the last few weeks when people kind of started mentioning that it was coming out so that, it, that was a thing sorry so the the card counter really really liked the harder they fall thought was really very good Finch is passable. Nerve, you know, had a good time with an older film. So uh, a mixed bag this week, but I hope that you're able to see these films, JB, these new releases and yeah, be positive I mean, on them. I'm 100% going to watch uh, Harder They Fall. I just haven't made it. I've been watching these older things. Like I suffered through the, the kind of three bad John Carpenter <laughs> movies in one day, um, but I was like doing stuff. So it felt like the right time to just kind of throw them on. Cause I'm amazed. I'm mainly just watching them so I can listen to the podcast and not feel like I'm getting it spoiled or whatever. Um, also I purchased all of them digitally at some point. So I was like, I, I gotta watch them. I bought them. Um, probably should watch them. I suppose. Yeah. And so, uh, but I, I'm, there's that. Um, and I think there's two other movies that big tuna recommended on streaming right now. Uh, harder they fall. And just throw these names out there. Cause the other listeners might want to mm-hmm. uh, check these out. And you might want to watch them. Um, there's a documentary called A Cop Movie um, uh, that okay. I think is on Netflix that he said is one of the best he's seen this year. And then um, uh, The Electrical Life of Lewis Wan or Wayne. Uh, I haven't um, heard of that one. Yeah, I have not outside of his recommendation. So, um, But he said it's a great week for streaming with those three movies uh, coming out this week. So um, if you're a big tuna listener check them out and you know let us know what you think i'm hoping to watch all three of those at some point but if you're not a big tuner listener then you should be big tuners are king um look we've got red notice coming out soon which is only going to continue the hot streak surely yes yeah um well i'm sure we'll uh, give our thoughts on that in the next week or two but um in the meantime we've had some bloody awesome films this week we've been checking out but we as a team and as individuals need to work hard to maintain these bloody awesome levels to make sure that when we give you the bloody awesome movie podcast, it is, spoiler, bloody awesome. So, John, what have you been doing this week to maintain those levels? Well, I, I have been going to the gym consistently for almost three years now. And uh, the, over the last, I'm not sure exactly when, maybe six months, I've been doing one routine, um, mostly trying to bulk up a little bit. And... Uh, I, it started to feel a little stagnant. Plus, um, my schedule has gotten mixed up. So I, I switched my routine back to, uh, the, like a more high intensity, um, interval workout. Um, and I, I had found this workout through, uh, uh, like a online company called the fit father project. So it's like exercises geared towards people getting up in my age. Like I'm 39. Um, but it's mm-hmm. a very, I had done this before. I hadn't done it for about, like I said, six months or so. And I really like this workout. Um, it, it works like in this kind of weird triangle method. So you have five exercises. The first time you do them, you, you do each one, one time. 
but you go through all five. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. And then you do it two reps. And then you do three reps and four reps and five reps and six reps and seven reps and eight reps. And then you work your way back down. So then it's seven, five, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Um, so it's like this kind of pyramid of, of reps. And man, by the end, you are feeling it in every muscle because it's a full body workout. Um, you, you take a minute break in between the, the reps. So you hit the last exercise and you wait a minute and then you do the next set of reps. And, um, it's just, it's been really, uh, energy boosting to be honest like it, it does i notice a, a substantial difference in my cardio when i do these versus when i'm just doing muscle routines so um been uh you know mixing it up making sure i'm saying uh so the i you do this uh, everything i've read they say no more than three times a week or you're supposed to do the hiit stuff yep um so i'm doing that on monday wednesday friday and in my sunday workout i'm doing a full like full body but like heavy weight type exercise and for the first time in a while i am like actually sore um so i can tell like i've actually like i push myself in a good way like i'm not hurt but like i'm like my muscle i have actual muscle soreness uh which i've not had for a little bit so i i, I was excited about that this week i'm like all right all right i, I guess i'm working pretty hard so mixing up the workout routine remember blb be like book and I do need to be more like Burke and get back on the <laughs> workout routine because I've fallen off that particular wagon again, but I will get back on it because I am determined to uh, show my transatlantic movie brother that I too can be like Burke. But um, I, I need to lose, I want to lose 20 more pounds and hit that goal weight. I still haven't been yes. able to do that. I've maintained my weight now for over a year, uh, well over a year. But, um, and during COVID, mind you, so I, I think that is a pretty big win. Um, but I do want to knock off that last 20 pounds that I, uh, my, for my goal, I'm going to try to make a push for that after the holidays. But, um, what about you, man? How have you been, uh, staying bloody awesome? I feel like I have a good idea. I think you do, but this, this is not something which I chose to do. Instead, it was bestowed upon me, uh, a couple of decades ago now, but, uh, I have become another year older, John. I, um, oh, no. I celebrated a a day of birth, which was mine. My, nobody else shares my day of birth. It's just mine. But I had my yours. birthday last week. Uh, so stay bloody awesome by celebrating that. I'm spending it with the family, spending it with my daughter, having a good time, um, having some good food, having a few brewskis, but also receiving some fabulous Criterion uh, Blu-rays through the post in the form of Marriage Story, which listeners to the show last week probably understand that reference and night of the living dead from none other than john burke which was a massive surprise and something which i was extremely grateful for and i'm going to be checking out checking both of those out again in the coming week or so so well uh, yeah simply by becoming older wiser and wider is how i've been staying bloody awesome but i am so damn pleased with those criterion blu-rays which are now just uh, beaming from my collection my friend Yes, good good selection there. I, I'm glad uh, that it was able to work so easily. I love that with Amazon, you can just go to the .uk and order them there um, rather than trying to figure out how to get them from Florida to you. Uh, I just order from your neck of the woods. I, I wondered how it worked. Cause I thought, well, how's it going to work? Because I thought you had to have like a U... But obviously, you don't have to have a UK address because you're only you're only sending it to a uk address so yep uh no, very very pleased with those so yes uh john's been uh john's been sweating a lot and i've been well eating a lot uh for this week but maybe hopefully next week i can say i've been to the gym but that is that then for this week's non-spoiler episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast like john said we're going to be back again next week and we're going to be reviewing spencer and as we said off air is this where awards season unofficially slash officially starts now the run up to it who knows i haven't seen the film john has but so we're going to drop a non-spoiler episode and a spoiler review of spencer next week if you want to let us know your thoughts or anticipation on spencer you can do on our social platforms on twitter at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast and on instagram john and we are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. If you're on Facebook or Meta or whatever it's called nowadays, the Zuckerberg platform, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and you'll see John and myself beaming back at you. Uh, if you can find me, what I watch tonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight across all the socials and Letterboxd, and you can find John at. 
BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Uh, do go check, uh, we'll check both of us out because we're both really swell guys. Uh, if you like what you've just heard, and we certainly hope you do, please share it with your friends. Let them know that there's a movie show out there which is unbiased and spoiler free, other than on Monday's mini-sode. And if you wouldn't mind and have a spare minute, please do consider chucking us five stars on your podcast provider of choice because it helps us grow, gets more listeners in. It means we get to hear more movie opinions each week, which is kind of what we're here for. So thank you for listening. And with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 blood,